welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Also, I have the great honor to announce that Block Talk was nominated for a 2020 Glam Award for Best Podcast. And guess what? You can vote for me to win! Head on over to glamawards.net slash voting and cast your vote for Block Talk as Best Podcast and Elation as Best Digital Series. Voting ends January 1st. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at Theater in the Now, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. You can find her all over the World Wide Web. And now she's here on Block Talk. Say yeehaw to the fabulous Poison Envy. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's another November week where I can't tell what kind of weather we're going to have um, every single day. Oh, it's so true. I mean, I love it I'm, because I'm from a little bit further north. I feel like every like the cold is just taking longer to hit me being in Jersey now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just like, I think it's like 50 something right now. And I'm like, Aren't we supposed to be getting snow soon? Why are we? Why? Why is this happening? This is how people get sick. Aside from the other thing, I mean, but that's like New England weather. Like you'll mm-hmm. like Mar- March is like the craziest month in Massachusetts. You'll have like a full like 60, 70 degree day where you're like considering like taking out the crop tops, and then like the <laughs> next day it's a northeastern. It's yeah. a nor'easter, and it's like it's crazy. It's crazy. You never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I listen. I love warm weather. I love to not layer. Um, cause I sweat, so I'll take this, this little reprieve we're getting, but oh man, I just want to point out one thing when I go on Instagram and I put envy when I'm trying to do things for the drag race Holland, you come up before her on my algorithm. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so you are now the newly crowned uh, queen of drag race Holland. Oh my goodness. I'm so honored. I didn't even know I won. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm excited to learn all there is about you. And we're going to start from the very beginning. Where are you originally from? So I grew up in a small farming community in Massachusetts. It's like 45 minutes west of Worcester. So it's about an hour and a half to two hours away from Boston um, in a town called Hardwick, Massachusetts. We're known for not much. It's a small town. It's like 3,000 people, I think. And yeah, I grew up on a farm. Well, not technically. I grew up connected to farming. And then as I got older and my parents separated, um, my mom has a farm. I'm actually wearing their merchandise right now. Nice. <laughs> um, the give them a plug. Yeah, the Four Acre Farm. Um, I think they have a Facebook account. I don't really know if they use it often, but basically they have like a, um, they call it the mudroom, which is like the in between the house and the barn. And they refurbished their mudroom and they're, they're, they have this old farming house that they bought and they turned it into the shop. So you go in there and you can, um, it's by like ground beef, um, steaks, whatnot. Um, they have them all labeled and priced out and then they have eggs. And my mom also crochets Afghans so you can buy, so you can buy little crafting things too. That's awesome. They're located, yeah. They're located right on the main route in Hardwick. So, it's so that, that, that's pretty awesome. Now growing up near a farm, by a farm, with a farm, mm-hmm. did you learn how to do all the things you do on a farm? 
Most of it, yeah. Um, I mean, I recently I actually milked a cow for the first time. I never had dairy okay. cattle, so um, I never did anything like that. It was mostly like my mom's boyfriend has beef cattle, so mm. we we do not do the slaughtering. We send those we send them away to a professional that does it humanely. But um, I helped a lot with like hay farming, which is the one I did a lot in. So I was more the agriculture, like the crops. So I did I did a lot with haying. I did a lot with gardening with my mom, also with my grandmother. So that was sort of where my stuff was like. I, have, I, like you, yeah. have you incorporated that into your drag at all? Um, it's only recently that I've sort of started embracing it a little more. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely want to do m more country because like, I feel like when I was younger, I sort of, I went through that edgy period of my life where like I had to distance myself so much from Hardwick. Sure. And now I'm just sort of like, no, like 90s country is like sort of like a part of my life and it's a part of my upbringing. And so like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm sort of, I want to incorporate more of that because like 90s country is so gay and everything before that. But like, <laughs> yeah, Do you have so a good. favorite 90s country song or artist? Oh, Shania Twain. Hands all right, down. all right. The Shania Canadian. Twain, oh, the Canadian, I know. She's my <laughs> favorite. She's actually, she surpasses Madonna for my favorite artist, actually. Wow, that's so mm -hmm. fascinating. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I dig that. <laughs> no, I love Shania Twain. I love her story. I think her music's really great. And she's always been, like, just a really good person, Yes. Mm -hmm. What were you like as a kid? I was very flamboyant. I was actually, I was very sensitive. I was this very sensitive, like flamboyant, like clearly going to be gay kid. Mm -hmm. But I was also very like, I loved the outdoors. So I just, I was like that yeehaw gay, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, now I want to hear you perform Thank God I'm a Country Boy. I actually, my dream, this is my dream. I want to perform The Woman in Me Needs the Man in You by Shania Twain, like dramatically, uh -huh. like swinging from a tire swing. Like, <laughs> that <laughs> like sounds the, excellent. Like the flowy dress and like all the drama. Like, I'm oh my God, I love that. Like early Dolly style, like mm -hmm, those, mm -hmm. like the big hair, the flowy dresses, but like that song by Shania Twain, because it's so dramatic. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, so from farm to school, where, 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 where did you go? So I went to Clark University, which is in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's about 45 minutes away from my home. It's a small liberal arts college. Um, I ended up going there because they gave me the most money. Also, it was my top favorite school in terms of all mm -hmm. the schools I toured. Um, it just sort of like it was close to home, which for my family at the time was really important, but also like it was a very, very left leaning liberal school, mm -hmm. which is something that I wanted. I didn't want to go to a Catholic school, even though I did apply to a few of them. I didn't want to go to something where I didn't, where I felt like I couldn't express myself. Sure. Like, what, and what did you study there? I studied, um, so it's a very long title. It's um, cultural studies and communications was my first major. Um, it's a communications degree. I just focused on gay stuff mostly. I didn't do I didn't do anything practical in college, and then you I want double it majored. To any of us? No. no. <laughs> and then I double majored in comparative literature with a focus in Spanish as a second language. Nice. So when did drag enter your life? Was it during college? Was it after college? Um, like I watched a little bit of Drag Race like here and there randomly in high school, but I really mm -hmm. wasn't that interested in it then. Although I did do theater and I was like heavily, heavy into the arts, but it wasn't until college that I sort of like watched a little more of it. Like 
Sure. So like I watched, like, I think the first season I actually watched, it wasn't the first season that I knew about, but the first season I sat and watched was actually um, Violet Chachki's season. Okay. Season seven, good one. Season seven. Um, I was a huge Ginger Minch fan, actually. She was nice. the one that I loved. <laughs> Although I do love um, Violet now that I've sort of gotten to see her drag. Yeah, you, you two have very, very similar aesthetics. I've been told, yeah. But um, yeah, I didn't actually, my first time in drag was my senior year. I had somebody else paint me in drag and I did like a little local competition at my school. It was like just a little fun thing for Halloween. So as as every other drag queen, my first time in drag was on Halloween. Nice. (laughs) Um, And then it wasn't until after I graduated and I moved in with my, um, now my drag sister, um, Harley Queen, um, Jay, we moved in together after college and that's, we sort of developed drag together, like, which is why we have like such a close bond and why it's so like, it's the cliche of the Harley, the Harley Quinn drag queen and the Poison Ivy drag queen living together nice. in like a shitty city. Like, <laughs> So let, let you, you mentioned the name, let, let, let's go behind the scenes. What is the origin story of your drag name or persona? So um, I'm going to bring it a little further back to when I met Harley, actually. Um, sure. Neither of us had done drag. Um, Harley had moved from Boston back home to Charlton and was working at a local mall while they tried to, like, figure stuff out because they had they have their own personal joker in Boston that they had to get away from, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they moved home. And then um, a mutual friend of ours was trying to set us up. And so they, like, brought – they, like – had us both come to the same college party. And so like Harley's there with like pink and blue dyed roots, like literally Harley Quinn colored hair. Um, I think they had a Harley Quinn t-shirt on probably. Mm-hmm. And then I showed up, I had just dyed my hair poison ivy red at the time. And I show up and it's like freezing and I show up in full hoe and like, we literally look at each other and, and like Harley was so pissed. They're like, oh fuck, I'm not the cutest one at the party now. <laughs> Um, and then I ended up taking them home and we, we didn't have sex, but we hooked up. And so like, I, we had the full like Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, like dynamic happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we sort of got to know each other, we like both decided we really wanted to start drag. And so that's sort of where like, we we're like, well, we wanted it to be something interesting, something that like we connected to and we connected to those comic book characters. And so they came up with Harley Queen and then I, over a few tweakings, but I ended up developing my name into Poison Envy. Nice. How would you describe Poison Envy in three words? Um, Pookie Femme Fatale. That's usually oh, what I go I love to. that. I like that. I like that. How long, like, how long does it take to get into drag for you? Um, it depends on what I'm doing. Um, some of my looks I can do in around an hour. Like I can just like really commit to it and just get it done. Um, but I do like to spend two hours or more if I can, just for the sake of like enjoying my time doing the makeup and Absolutely. not just not just making it a process, but like making it sort of like a moment. Do you have any traditions that you do when you get ready? Um, not really. Um, I mean, if I have the ability to, I usually throw on some form of like vibe music. It's usually something without lyrics because I don't. Mm-hmm. It'll distract me if it's a song. Sure. And also I'll throw something on and I'll just sort of like get into that mode of getting into the character. 
also like it depends on what I'm doing too. Like if I'm doing Richard Simmons, I'm gonna put something very different on in the background to sort of get my body more hyped up. Absolutely. Now, what is for you the hardest part about getting into drag? Oh God, I mean, my least favorite part is probably the lashes. Mm -hmm. I just hate, nobody likes wearing lashes, but it does tie the whole look together. Like I don't mind. I actually, I like being corseted. Um, I, I actually think it's kind of like BDSM, like it's nice. I don't mind the hip padding or the tights. I don't even really mind the heels because I don't wear anything crazy. It's, it's the lashes that like, once you take them off, you don't, you don't realize until you take them off how much of the world yeah, you are missing. Absolutely. <laughs> the entire upper half is gone. At, oh, I mean like, and, and there's now the debate of 301s. Do, are they necessary? Do you want different lashes? But I, I think a nice lash really helps tie a look together. Mm-hmm. It does. What are some of your favorite go-to makeup products? Let, let, let's find a sponsor for you. What do you love? Okay. So actually, all my makeup's next to me. So oh, I'm perfect. Gonna, like, look down. Um, oh, my God. You're going to be an influencer. Um. Products I use the most. I really like the Sugar Pill White Taco Eyeshadow. Mm-hmm, that one specifically mm-hmm. is the best white eyeshadow I've ever used. Um, I actually have been using uh, Kimchi Chic Setting Powder, the Puff Puff Pass Setting Powder. It's a really good powder. Um, I really like it's white, and like mm-hmm. I need a white powder for my high zones. Um, looking down, my Elf Primer. I have two Elf Primers I use. Uh, one of them is a hydrating booster drop to keep my skin not looking dry and like mm-hmm. flaky. And then I use their putty primer. It's a pore, it's a matte, li- it's a matte poreless putty primer. It's really good. Those are probably the things I use the most. Like those are like my favorite, my favorite product. I have this, it, you know, the flash palette they made. I think Makeup Forever has like a flash palette to get mm-hmm. clean palette. I have like the knockoff version by CC Beauty, which you get on Amazon. I use that for every look. Nice. I like I do my brows with that. I do like if I'm if I'm ever doing a colored foundation look, which I do pretty regularly, I'm using that palette to like do my foundation. So did you go through a lot of different products before you settled on the ones that you currently use? Yeah, I, at first it was sort of like what can I afford? Like I, I like most drag queens when they start, I feel like we start with drugstore just mm-hmm. as a like it's what we see unless we've been doing makeup beforehand. Sure. Um, and then I sort of went into like Mayron was a big one. I used a lot mm-hmm. of Mayron products for like my face. Um, now I'm sort of dialing back the makeup and I'm sort of like, I would rather spend a lot of money on something nice that I know I'm going to really like and use Absolutely. than save money, but end up having to like take it on or really have to work the product. Like yeah, my foundation. I mean... Go ahead. I was just going to say my foundation now is Juvia's Place, which is a really like good liquid foundation. I feel like even though it is full coverage and a heavy for like most people everyday wear, it's not as heavy as what I was wearing before. So my skin is a lot more refreshed. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like people look at like a makeup product and like, oh my God, that's going to get me like a couple uses. Makeup goes a long way. It will last you a while. It definitely will. Yeah. I, I mean, I have some of my favorite palettes like I, I like there's certain palettes I just bring with me everywhere. There's the mm-hmm. palettes I buy because I think I'm going to like it. And then I'm just like, yeah, like you stick with what you like. Absolutely. And unfortunately, my favorite shadows are not cheap. My favorite shadow brand is um, Visart or Viseart. 
and their pellets are like this big and it's like $90. Woof. But, they're, but they're so good. Like now, I can't. if you got to create your own palette, what colors are we seeing in there? Ooh. A lot of like, well, no shimmers. I'm, okay. I don't like I don't like shimmer. I don't like glitter. Sue me. Um, for a lot of like reds and greens, definitely. You would have a very good black shadow because you need uh -huh, that. Uh -huh. you would, I would need a good black and a good white. But then in terms of colors, I do a lot of like orangey brown. So a lot of like orange, a lot of earth, like earth tones. Like picture sure. like a picture like a rose bush. Okay. Like. A lot of reds, a lot of um, like the browns, a lot of the like orangey sort of like rusty browns too. A lot of my background. <laughs> yeah. Um, a nice merlot color would be nice. Something where I can do a really nice blown out smoky eye that's sort of like dark and like menacing. I love that. Who were some of the people that helped you out in your drag journey when you first started? Basically everyone that I got to know in Worcester. We, Worcester has a pretty fun scene. Um, it's a small scene, but like I have a lot of good friends out there. Um, so we have obviously Harley. We sort of taught each other most of what we know. And then I learned a lot from Candy Dish, who's now one of my best friends. And I do most Candy Dish productions. I end up in that show. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. Um, I learned a lot from her. I learned a lot from my drag mother, um, Nikki Luparelli, who is not a drag queen, but... She's still my drag mom. I've learned a lot about like production, how to run a show, sure. how to how to be a smart performer and how to be like, like how to be good with events. And I think those are things you don't often learn. You sort of learn the hard way. And I've gotten to learn a lot about like the production value of a show. Absolutely. What, what how, how would you describe the Worcester drag scene? I feel like it's overlooked a lot because mm. it's not Boston. It's not this major sure. city. And we don't have a lot of like venues to work with, but we have such a diverse group of performers out there. And I think like a lot of the times people think, well, oh, you had Jocelyn Fox and that's it. But we have so many like interesting people out there with like that I think deserve a little bit more recognition than sort of mm -hmm. they get. Like the, on, the one downside from when I was in Worcester is I was definitely left out of a lot of like the Boston scene because I'm not readily available to just show up to a gig. I can't just show up right. like very easily planning. for a show. It takes more planning. And so definitely like there was definitely a rift between Boston and Worcester where like, unless you were really good friends with somebody, you probably weren't going to get booked in Boston. Gotcha. So you had to sort of create your own scene at, at the straight venues around you. All right. So Sticking with Worcester, mm -hmm. you were a part of Worcester Drag Wars. I was. <laughs> what was that experience like? And, and tell the listeners what the Worcester Drag Wars is compared to what our New York Drag Wars is and the DC Drag Wars. Okay, so we had um, Worcester Drag Wars is sort of like the baby child of what is now Boston Drag Gauntlet, which is mm -hmm. a much bigger show. Um, which we'll get to next. Which we'll get to next. <laughs> So I was in season one or cast number one. They had two casts of Worcester Drag Wars and it's basically drag race, except I think it's more brutal in terms of some of the twists that they throw at you. So basically it was, you know, there's a theme for the performance for the night. You do your performance. There's a bottom two, bottom two lip sync. Everyone pretty much knows that sort of format. Um, and the cast was myself, Harley, 
um, just a JP out of Austin, and Naomi Chomsky out of Providence, Lollipop out of Worcester, um, Buffy Hallowell, who is now in Boston. Is there any? I can't remember the. I think it was just the six of us because it was a very short season. I think there was only five challenges, maybe. I think I'm missing somebody, but I, I can't quite. I think it was just those six. But yeah, so we all competed and then ended up coming down to a top four, which was Naomi, Harley, myself, JP, top two, me and JP. And then JP murdered that final lip sync. Um, but it was great because it was really the first time where I felt like I was succeeding in my drag. Mm -hmm. Because until then, I was, re I was such a baby queen, but I didn't really know who I was as a drag queen. I didn't have a style. And like, I won the first two challenges and on the third challenge, I was still in the top. I was only in the bottom once and it was the challenge where they ended up saving both of us and sending us all to the finale. So like, I really skyrocketed through that competition and it like, it gave me such like a healthy ego boost where I like felt like, yeah, like I can actually do this. Yeah, and, and do you still use some of the numbers you did from that competition? elements of them. I don't do, I, there's, I do my finale number that I did um, a few times because I do really like that. It's a Madonna mix that I made myself. It was actually the first mix I made myself, mm -hmm. everything else I had helped with. Um, but I haven't done the others as much because I didn't like, they weren't, they don't really connect as well to my current drag where I'm a little sure. bit more, I'm way more campy now. I was a little bit more serious femme fatale then. Now, how much did this help you before moving into um, Boston Drag Gauntlet? Did it, it prepare you? I felt, yeah, like I definitely think Boston was harder, but I also think I, was, I wasn't stressed. I wasn't like, even when I was eliminated, I wasn't mad. I like, I did that entire competition was like, eh, I'm here, I'm having fun. I'm gonna give it my all, whatever happens, happens. So which season were you in for uh, Boston Drag Gauntlet? I was in cycle two, which was a fabulous cycle. Um, I have a lot of friends from that competition. Um, some of my favorite drag queens in the area were in that competition. Um, Marianne Laputain, who I absolutely adore. She was fabulous. Um, the winner, um, Kirby Fully Loaded. She, um, she was amazing. Such a great performer, such a great person and really like, really humble. Nice. And you started the journey for uh, an all-star season and then, you know, COVID. And then COVID happened, yeah. I did very good, though, in the first two challenges. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I won the second one, so. What, what, what was it like being asked back for an All-Star season? It was, it was, I was so excited. That literally, I was just like, yes. Because like, I felt like my drag improved like tenfold since my cycle. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm ready to go in there, and I'm ready to really kill it. Like, I had mm -hmm. like a fire in my belly, and I was like, I know I drag so much more now. I know so much more about crafting a performance. I know the scene better. I know, I know Boston better. I know the crowd. And it was cool because all of the, all the hosts and all the judges, as well as fan vote, picked the people that were going in. Um, I, think, I think I was fan voted in. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't remember exactly. I know I won fan vote the first challenge, which gave me immunity. Um, but that, no, that, that was fan vote based on my look. I think I may have gotten fan voted in by, by the fans for the cycle. 
did did it feel like a um a cutthroat season when it started yeah there was a lot of i mean we had a lot of drama that first challenge i don't know if you remember seeing it on facebook i i do remember a little bit remind yeah, us so, a little bit so basically the original twist was that um anyone basically can get eliminated um and that the contestants survivor style basically vote on who to send home but the um person lip syncing the top two get to, can save somebody from the bottom. And then basically, instead of them going home, the person with like the third most votes gets. It's, it just, it, it looked good on paper. Sure. But it, it, does, it would look great on Drag Race, but it does not work in like a local competition. Absolutely. And like it ended up sending somebody home from the winning team who was also the first person eliminated their season. And it just, it was not a good look. And it blew up. So we ended up inviting everyone back for the second challenge. So the second challenge was sort of like a redo of the first in a way, mm-hmm. just with obviously a different theme. Yeah. that I mean, I remember, again, being like this outsider, seeing these things on social media, being like, what did I miss? And why can't I be there, please? Yeah, it was, it was really tough. Like, I mean, it was a very stressful night. I felt really bad because the people that did really well didn't really get to like enjoy that glory mm-hmm. of doing well. Absolutely. Um, because somebody was eliminated who like really shouldn't have. Right. Now, obviously you had to take a pause due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Was there any discussion about trying to put it into a digital realm? Um, I, so being friends with candy, all stars will, they will not make it digital. They want Mm -hmm. it to be an in-person show. So the current, this isn't obviously out yet in terms of information, but this is sort of like, this is the idea of floating around is they're going to do probably do a few more seasons of Boston Dry Gauntlet and then they'll redo an all stars because a lot Mm -hmm. of us have moved and I'm just saying, I'll go back up to do all stars. I don't care. Um, the prize package for winning all stars, I'm pretty sure was bigger than what Wana Kiki gives their winner. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I wish we so were like, iconic. We would have been yeah. able to, we could give it a big prize package, but no, I totally understand that, that, that predicament because I was in the middle of doing drag a star and it's a live singing cabaret style show. I can't do that as a digital show. There was no way it was going to work. So it, it's unfortunate that like we're on a pause. I have hope that, when things are better, I, all the contestants can come back and our piano player come back and we can do it. But I just, in good faith, didn't think it would have been the right thing to do. Yeah, I think that's sort of where we're all at too. Like, because we lost a lot of shows. I mean, every performer knows this. Like I was starring, or I was one of the leads in Scream when we mm-hmm. were doing that live on stage. And like when COVID hit, we were in the works of doing it in P-Town during Halloween, right. which would have been such an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. And then like, we literally had housing lined up. We had so many things and then rant, rant. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of Scream, I think that's a good segue. Like you're very pop culture and reference friendly with your drag. Who are some of your influences? Oh goodness. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like to pull from everything. Like I just, I like strong female characters mm-hmm. anyways. Like that for me has always been sort of something to pull from. I mean, you have the obvious ones, Poison Ivy, but then I love like any sort of representation of the femme fatale. So you have like Debbie from Adam's Family. You have Catherine Trammell from Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct, one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies. So 
I really love her. Um, yeah, just, just strong, I guess strong femininity for me has always been like the thing I draw to. That and just stupidity. Anything I can do, you if I can make that. it stupid. Like if I can make it stupid, I'm going to do it. Richard Simmons, love case it. in point. There's no <laughs> reason for me to be running around as Richard Simmons and yet I do it. <laughs> as a performer, you've gotten to do Worcester drag. You've done Boston drag. I believe you've done Providence drag. Mm-hmm. Is there any difference for you going in knowing like, okay, this is what that audience is going to want. This is what that audience is. Or do you just stay true to yourself? I always stay true to myself, but I may tailor it a bit. So like when I performed at like the dark lady, for example, in Providence, I did more top 40 songs, but I still did stupid numbers. Sure. So I did my ring number, but again, my ring number is like call me maybe and dive in the pool and shallow. It's all these songs that everyone knows. Absolutely. And then I do my drunk, I did my drunk Cinderella mix, which yes, it's me in a giant blue ball gown, but it's me doing TGIF. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, I have certain mixes that fit the crowd there. I prefer a cabaret scene where I can just do whatever the hell I want. So that's like Jacques cabaret, or I've done a few shows in Brooklyn. Um, can't remember the bar's names, but like those places I love because like the audience is there for the show. Right. Not, not just the dance. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's really interesting for those performers who are lucky like yourself to be able to mm-hmm. call many places uh, a, a drag home. Um, but yeah, the, the audiences, even in New York with from Manhattan to Brooklyn to Queens, you're going to have different taste levels and you have to almost adapt slightly to make sure they're going to be happy and, you know, give you the money. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, you always have to, like, you sort of, like, tailor your, like, discography of numbers based on, like, where do these numbers work? Exactly. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but I always try to stay true. I'm always, I'm almost always going to do comedy. We love that. We love that's a campy totally, queen. That's a, that's a given. <laughs> All right, we're going to play our first game. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. Are you going to pick one? You ready? All right. Mm-hmm. Fight or flight? Flight. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Plane or train? I'm sorry? Plane or train? Oh, oh, um, train. Twitter or Instagram? It depends on if I'm naked or not. <laughs> um, wine or beer? Wine. Modern or vintage? Vintage. Work hard or play hard? Work hard. Spoil or get spoiled? Spoil. Boxers or briefs? Briefs. Leather or lace? Leather. (laughs) Kink or vanilla? Kink. Peach or eggplant? I actually hate eggplants. I think they're vile peach. Shaggy or Scooby? Like noise. Sydney or Cindy? Oh, this is just rude. <laughs> oh, uh, Cindy. Cowboys or aliens? Cowboys. Yeehaw. Sonic or Mario? Let's go. Mario. <laughs> Poison Ivy or Harley Quinn? Oh, uh, I, I can't. I can't. I mean, <laughs> I love Ivy, but like, 
Harley's like Harley's like my best friend, so I can't. <laughs> what is your signature number? Let's go behind the music and discover what happened. How did it become your signature number? Um, I technically have two. Okay. Um, although one I don't get to do as often because it's a little bit more cabaret style. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the obvious one. My signature number is definitely the ring. Um, very good. I, it's a very good one. <laughs> it's, it's such a dumb number. I, I absolutely love it. So basically, I was in cycle two of Boston Drag Gauntlet. And the challenge was we are in two teams, the good witches and the bad witches. And we had each were given an element. So like there is good water, bad water, good fire, bad fire. You get the mm -hmm. gist. Um, I was on the bad witches team. Um, and then I was pick, I was given water as my element. I had no clue what I was gonna do, none. I was like, what the hell am I gonna do? And so like, we're all as a team just like talking and like, I think originally I was going to do like an Ursula or something, just because like, that's like the obvious choice sure. for like water witch. And I'm like, that's too obvious. That's just, yeah. that's too on the nose. I don't want to do that. And I was just like, I don't know how it happened, but I was sitting there and I'm just like, what if I do the ring? Like the ring's wet. She crawls out of a well, that's water. Like <laughs> she's kind of, I mean, in the movie, they actually do describe her as a witch that was thrown down a well. Um, although in like, obviously a, um, I believe it's, is it a, I think it's a Korean horror, correct? I believe so. And, but again, like a, more of a Korean horror style of a witch. Right. Um, made into like a TV demon. And then I was like talking to the group chat and my friend Veronica Vandersnatch was like, why don't you do dive in the pool? <laughs> to really hit the nail on the head when it came to, when it comes to like, you know, wet and water and just be very literal. So I had the idea of doing um, Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen and then putting in the audio seven days. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's my number and seven days. And so like this, all this number sort of came together and then I was like, this is perfect. And so I made, I made the ring outfit. It's absolutely vile. I took it into my <laughs> cellar. I literally Really, like got it. it it spent the night in the street once like it's it's authentic and so I came out and I did this number and you know I like do my seven days and they're laughing and then I have the little Cindy clip of Cindy the TV's leaking as the dive in the pool happens and it's like let's get soaking wet and like everyone was just losing it they're like what the hell it was like equal parts horror mm -hmm. because I looked just like her but then on the other hand, it was comedy and it was just, it was perfect that I love that number. And then when I got to do it again later, I had to make it a little longer to fit a time slot. And then I was like, well, I'll add a splash and then I'll add Lady Gaga's part from Shadow. <laughs> and that's it. It just, it was, it was a series of it's unfortunate a, It's a very, events. very, very funny number. Is it for like first time watchers, you're like, what's going to happen? And you're like, oh my God, this is hilarious. This makes total sense <laughs> yeah i like to have a story arch like everything absolutely. has to have like a beginning middle and end and i feel like that song really does absolutely and it has, now, it has twists along the way <laughs> we love it now what is your second signature number my second signature was from the finale of cycle two of boston drag gauntlet it's my lorena bobbitt number oh boy um, oh boy <laughs> yeah take a sip of water yeah, for those who don't <laughs> remember Lorena Bobbitt, oh boy. 
Yeah, in the 90s, Lorena Bobbitt was a housewife and she had a very abusive husband. So one day she cut his penis off. Mm-hmm. He ended up making porn afterwards, I found out. Um, he ended up getting his dick attached and did some porn. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was just like, I feel like this is like the pinnacle femme fatale sort of idea. Like when you think like a killer woman or like a woman that's like getting a killer husband, like that's like the worst thing that most men can imagine. And so I was like, I found this song called the Dismemberment Song by, I think it's by, I think the band's name is Blue Kid. And none of their songs sound like this. This is just one random song in their discography. And it sounds like a Broadway ballad about a woman who's like, hold still my darling. And it's about like cutting up her boyfriend. Oh my God. So I have the intro from a 2020 like video about Lorena Bobbitt that goes into this song. And I usually, usually I have somebody tied up on a chair with a bloody apron on with a hole at the crotch. Mm-hmm. And I just did, that was my finale number. I was in like this latex high-waisted skirt and like pasties and like a kill my husband robe with a knife. Actually, this knife. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Which, um... I had to keep the sheath on because when I ordered it, it said plastic, but this is not plastic. Oh no. Oh yeah, boy. So I had to keep this on because during my performance, I was stabbing at the cross. Sure. I had, a pla- I had a plastic container filled with um, cranberry sauce. Oh and so like at one point of the song, I pulled the cranberry sauce out and I shove it in his mouth. Oh, it was, I got cranberry sauce everywhere. Oh my God. And that's when I would say, where's the fucking tarp? They were so mad. I had to clean up the stage when I after my number. Oh my god, I can I, imagine. I, I broke the plastic container so it all spilled out between his legs. That's funny. That that is artistic. We love that. Oh god, I love I love that number. I love that song. I actually listen to it like on the regular. My boyfriend gets so uncomfortable. <laughs> is he afraid you're gonna go all arena bobbit one day? He's like, he's like, it's unnerving how much you love women that kill their husbands. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Now, yeah. when you create mixes, is it the song first? Is it theme? Is it the, the, the words? Where, where does your journey start? Um, a lot of my best numbers came from being forced into a theme. So like I've done, I did a ton of brunches. And so like, they'll be like, okay, the theme is like X-Men. And so like, I'll like, okay, so I'm doing, I did, um, uh, Dark Phoenix, and I did Can't Get You Out of My Head. Just, sure. And then I did, a, I did a remix of, like, Power by Little Mixers. Like, I just, I sort of, like, find songs that fit the character. Um, that's usually where my best numbers come out, because, like, Snatch Game, I did Richard Simmons. That's where those Richard Simmons numbers have come out. Now yeah. I have, like, I have five Richard Simmons numbers. Oh, my God. Does he know? I, 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 should, I, I don't think he uses Instagram. He does use YouTube, though. He's been re-releasing, like, every, like, week his old workout videos onto YouTube for people, for people to use during quarantine. It's so sweet. <laughs> That's precious. But yeah, so it's usually, usually it's a theme and I'm like, well, how can I ruin this? Absolutely. Now, I know you like music. You've been following 2020 mm-hmm. music. What 2020 song are you most looking forward to getting to perform in a drag roulette? Oh God, in a drag, oh, mm. I really want to perform um, Monday Blues off of Kylie Minogue's new album, Disco. Mm -hmm. It's like, it reminds me of the theme of 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton, but placed at a disco. 
there's something about that song. I'm just like, I love any song where they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna tell you the days of the week now. Like, I don't know why, I just love that song. It's gonna be in many, many drag artist mixes. I do though, I do really wanna do WAP, but like obviously censored because I'm white, but I wanna do WAP as the ring with somebody dressed as Brenda from Scary Movie. So that she, so that Brenda can, Brenda can do the Megan the, the Stallion part and then I can do the Cardi Pop part. Oh my God. Well, listeners, if the, if you are a Brenda, let make it happen. Please, please. That's funny. All right. We're going to play the Cameo Game Show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Ooh, I, I, might, we, I might be good at this. <laughs> we are going to do the Queens of Drag Race. Oh God. Okay. All right, first up, Delta Work or Monique Hart? Monique Hart? Yep, Monique is $100. Delta is 75 which it's a lot, but you go, girl. You better work. Next up, Jasmine Masters or Rock'em Sakura? Jasmine. Jasmine is 40 Rock'em is 35 mm. Next, we have Eureka O'Hara or Tatiana. Just because I feel like she would cost more just because Eureka? It is Eureka. She has now gone down to 50 from 100. Uh, Tatiana is 35. Next up, Mrs. Kasha Davis or Morgan McMichaels? Morgan? Not sure. Yep. Morgan is 40. Mrs. Kasha Davis is only 20. That's a steal. I love her. It's always time for a cocktail. Exactly. She's lovely. Next up, hometown girl Jocelyn Fox or Kimora Black? Kimora? She is 55. Jocelyn is 50. Actually, I, I didn't know Jocelyn's amount, and I know Jocelyn. <laughs> yeah. Next, we have James Mansfield or Thorgy Thor. Thorgy. No, it's actually James. Oh. James is 50. Thorgy is 45. James does have a really big following on, on um, mm-hmm. YouTube, though, so that makes sense. Next, we have Darian Lake or Aiden Zane. Aiden Zane. It's actually Darian Lake. Darian is $74. Aiden is only 40. I love Darian though. Like I'd pay $74 to have Darian <laughs> say something to me. I love I love her. <laughs> she'd be so shady. And oh, finally, so how much can you get a Courtney Act cameo for? Ooh. I feel like she she either charges like nothing, like really low, or she charges really high. I'm gonna go with like 75. She's at a hundred bucks, which mm. is not the highest drag queen from Drag Race on Cameo. Oh, is it Shay? Um, I think Shay's not on there. I think currently it's no. Latrice at one twenty-five. Alyssa's at oh. Alyssa and Shangela when they are on there are usually one fifty. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I only said Shay because I know when Shay got off Drag Race, her booking fee was was higher than some of the winners. So that's why mm-hmm. I was like. Um, you know who has, I think, I think the highest cameo price is actually, um, um, oh, what's her name? Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin has a very expensive cameo. Um, it's, she is not the most expensive. She's, I think $300, but yeah. no, Dick, Dick Van Dyke is a thousand. Okay. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner is a thousand. Um, I think mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg is a thousand, uh, because that's what Snoop Dogg needs to be doing right now. Okay. But like. Can we have Snoop and Martha Stewart together for Cameo? That, like, that would be the I right want. one. Like, do it for that charity. Be, do I, like, 
A thousand dollars, yes. A thousand. Do you like a one day? Them. Exactly. Do you like a one day blitz where you do it together? Donate like half to charity. I think it's worth it. Oh my god, I I adore them. I adore them so much. <laughs> Why is drag important to the community? Um, I actually so back in college, I studied a lot of like queer theory and stuff. That was mm-hmm. sort of one of my heavy focuses and. One of the things I, one of the books that I actually own that I still really like is The Queer Art of Failure. Um, the author's last name is Halberstam. Um, and it basically talks about how, like, when you're set up for failure in life, um, whether you're like black, gay, and wh- whichever marginalized group you're a part of, your art is going to represent differently than s- somebody who's given a success story from birth. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like, a straight cisgender white family, the art that they're going to produce, not that it's not valid, but it's going to represent very differently than somebody who's like a black transgender individual, trans woman, for example, their art is going to really be heavily influenced by the sort of failure that society puts on them. And that's sort of why I think drag is so important because it's like the crossroads between a lot of these things, because there's so many drag queens of, or drag performers of different um, backgrounds, both religious, sexual, sexuality, gender, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And so it's like a area where we can all express our art in a certain way that's absolutely really special. How important is social media in the drag scene? Well, right now it's crucial, <laughs> but I think it's a really huge platform because it's given us the opportunity to speak with people we may never have been able to speak with to Mm -hmm. even speak with brands like even things like like brand like social media people that work for like different makeup brands being like oh this is this great makeup artist but they live in the middle of nowhere let's send them products and have them promote them it's like you end up like taking community communities that would have never really been connected and you're pushing them together and like allowing them a allowing their a conversation place start (laughs) yeah now you've been pretty active when it comes to digital drag how has Mm -hmm. your drag evolved since being pushed into this world i wear tights and heels far less (laughs) (laughs) i'm usually filming from the waist up um i don't dance so like you're never going to get a dancing number i do half my stuff on a green screen um but no i actually my makeup skills have changed i unfortunately have not worn a lot of green which makes me very upset Um, but no, I've actually, I've sort of tailored a new skill, which is like, I now know how to like make a video, Mm -hmm. which is something I didn't know how to do before. And now I'm even, um, editing other people's videos for them to help them, you know, get a nice digital drag thing filmed. It's also helped me focus on like the craft of making something. So like, I'm not just lip syncing once for an audience. I'm lip syncing five, six, seven times, all with different takes, different outfits, different angles, different whatever. And then I'm taking those individual pieces. I'm seeing the things I like, seeing the things I don't like, and I'm able to like really focus in on my performance and fine tune it. And someone who says they're a storyteller, I'm sure this has been an opportunity for you to dive even deeper into your storytelling. I'm able to tell stories that I wouldn't otherwise be able to tell. So I'm able to like make things sort of come alive differently. I'm able to have multiple looks in one performance. I'm able Mm -hmm. to like 
like the visual media is so cool because I can like tell different messages that I can't otherwise tell like with just me on a stage that doesn't have a screen. Yeah. Have you found it easier, harder to get an audience to come to your digital shows? Much harder. Um, I find it's hard because you have to look at the time slots differently than you do a, dig- a drag show in person. It's also hard because like, it's, it's like pulling teeth to really get people to support it sure. because like people like when they're drinking at the club and stuff, they want to give you money. Cause it's like the interaction with you. They want to like, they want to be like, Oh, this drag queen that I think is beautiful. That I think is funny. They interacted with me. So it's like, it's like a trade of services. Whereas when you're doing something digitally, there is a little bit of disconnect, even though I'm in pretty much every chat room for the digital shows I do, because they're all pre-recorded for the most right. part. I'm always in the chat room chatting with people and stuff, but it's still, it's tough. It is tough. Absolutely. And the Facebook algorithm is awful. Brutal. It's terrible. Facebook is terrible. Instagram is terrible. I don't use Twitter. So it, it's just, it, it's it's almost like if you're not paying them to promote an ad, they don't want you to promote a show. But even then, as somebody who's worked in the burlesque scene for years too, like they hate any representation of like the female body. Like they hate any, like anything that could be taken as sexual, it, like your ads are not going to run. So like if you have like a silhouette of a female body or... um trying to find the better way to say that. If you have like the silhouette of somebody with boobs, forget about it. Yeah. Like, they're they're going to suppress your ad. You need to be really smart with how you do it, even if you're paying them. They'll take your money, but they won't show your ad. Yeah. How have you how else have you stayed creatively active during the quarantine? Um, I play a lot of video games, so mm-hmm. I'm always like, because like I'm home, I'm like Rapunzel up here in my tower. My boyfriend goes to work every day. He works in HR. And so he's, you know, he at least gets a second place to go. I'm literally on my, on my eighth floor studio apartment in like Rapunzel's tower waiting to let down my hair. <laughs> so I play a lot of video games. I sort of get lost in like different forms of art. So obviously video games, some TV shows, music, comic books, things like that. And you have um, a fun little Twitter uh, going on. <laughs> how, how did that start? It started um, when I was, so I was back in Massachusetts. I was like just taking thirst traps for the sake of taking thirst traps. There was really no rhyme or reason. It was just like, I like underwear. I like feeling sexy. I like feeling body positive. Cause for years I always thought I was like too skinny that I was like not the right build. And now that I'm like way past that, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, everyone can see my body. I don't care. And so I started doing that. And then I had a friend of mine, um, and actually somebody that I dated briefly, um, Ramona Mirage, asked, it was like, why don't you just make an OnlyFans? I'm sure people would pay to like see that explicit content. And she was like, it's COVID. And I'm sure like unemployment's not going to be forever. Right. And like, it might be like a good opportunity. I was like, you know what, why not? So I started with the Twitter to build an audience. I think within under a month, I had over a thousand followers, which is pretty good. And then um, I had my OnlyFans from the get-go, but I didn't promote it until I had like, I think I had like 20 or 30 posts on there just so mm-hmm. there's something to look at. Absolutely. And that's sort of how it happened. And I 
I, I do enjoy doing it. Like it's sort of like, it's nice. Did you, did you get much of pushback on it? Not really. No. Um, That's good. Which is surprising because my mom is friends with my boy Facebook. Well, she's friends with both my Facebooks. She, uh, she knows I have an OnlyFans. I don't think she knows what it is. Gotcha. But um, I don't think she cares either. My mom's never been the person that's going to be like, she doesn't care. So, I mean, I have it linked on my bio on Facebook. Like, I'm very, like, up front and be like, hi, do you want to see me naked? Here, subscribe to my OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> now, other people in the community, some, some people have, I, I, not with you, but I, just in general, there, mm-hmm. there are people who are very supportive of quote unquote sex work. And then there are people like, how dare you try to do an OnlyFans and get money at, that way? Do you, have you found there's been, a, been any jealousy on the part of other drag artists? Jealousy? Not, not really. Um, I, the thing that I think shocked me the most was the drag performers I know that are following my Twitter now that I mm-hmm. had no clue, like thought I had a nice body, for example. Like, even if they're just doing it for curiosity's sake, like there's a number of performers I never thought would like be supportive. Like there's, there's one performer that like I'm really good friends with and like, they like, they like my post every now and then. I, I think it's hysterical. I love yeah. it. Like, I'm like, this is, it's like, you have to support everyone in their endeavors. Like, absolutely. Like me accepting money for being naked is no different than a drag performer taking money for shaking their fake titties. Sure. Like we're glorified, like naughty dancers in a way. We're all sort of glorified strippers. Absolutely. I mean, even if it's just to the um, undergarments of a drag costume, I've seen many a drag queen take everything off and just bounce around with with no wig on uh, at the end of the show. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, just allow people to like, love themselves and do what they want like it's i'm not hurting anyone by like no, expressing myself in this way if anything like i'm like i like i am like a skinny like conventionally attractive like twink but it's nice like because i follow a lot of like very different bodies on my twitter and it's nice seeing people who like don't have this traditionally masculine body or don't have this traditionally attractive look and they're still being supported. They're still getting likes. They're still getting shares. And I think that's really important because body positivity is not just, you know, telling the fat girl that she should love herself. It's telling like the feminine person that you can feel sexy, that you can love your body. Yeah. And I, I feel like there definitely are people who exploit their body in a way, but I really do think what you do is artistic and and it's different because you are promoting body positivity as opposed mm-hmm. to some other um, gay people on uh, Twitter. So I, I appreciate what you're doing and keep and it up. That be- yeah, and that being said too, like if you want to like exploit your body, then that's your like I'm not going to stop you. Like right. again, like they're like you're not doing anything wrong. Like it, there's no like consent harm in you doing that. Yeah, like if people want to follow you they have like they're consenting to see what you're putting out there exactly you don't want to see it don't hit subscribe absolutely well we are going to play everyone's favorite game tea time where you're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters friends colleagues people you've shared a stage with people you competed with people you may have been on the screen with 
I don't know. I went through your Instagram and I found <laughs> some names and we'll see if they were winners or losers in this game. Oh God, I should have, I should have had a bigger cup of tea. <laughs> well, let's start off with just JP. They're one of my favorite people, actually. I adore them. They're super, super creative. They, they were sort of, they were the first bearded drag queen that I ever, or drag performer that I ever met. And I was just blown away by like how creative their mind worked. We got to work together in Drag Wars together. And like, I remember we had to beat each other. That was the mm-hmm. challenge. You had to swap drag. And it was just so great because like, like I remember during the finale, we were talking about that moment because we were in the bottom together for that challenge. And I remember JP telling me like, I felt like I understood where your confidence comes from when I was like impersonating you and you're like, I like they still had the beard and everything, but they're like, there's a way that like you exude confidence when you're poised and they felt like they got that when they worked with me. And like, that just made me so happy. Nice. Next up, Randy Extra Extra. They are the glitter like entity. They are glitter. Like I, I know- (laughs) You you don't like to shimmer. I don't, but I love it on other people. They're glitter, like the way that they just like blend, like they really just say fuck gender. Like they're like, they're like, I'm a king and a queen in the same number. I don't care. They have like these glitter lips up to their nose, glitter <laughs> eyebrows, glitter everything. And it's so fabulous. And they're so, and they've gone through so much loss in the la- like last couple of years. And the way that they're able to like use their drag to like keep themselves up is just like beautiful. Um, I got to work alongside them um, in Scream. They played Gail Weathers mm-hmm. and like, she was the star of the show. They were the star of the show. And like, I, I love them. They're, they're, love you. <laughs> Next up, Veronica Powers. Veronica Powers is such a good friend of mine. We, I didn't know them that well when I first met them. And in fact, I didn't really even get their drag. I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> but then like we competed together um, in cycle two and in all stars. And it was just like getting to know them. They're such a genuine person. And they really like, they just look at things differently. And I think that's so respectable. Like they don't, they don't let anyone tell them that their drag is not valid. They don't let anyone tell them like that their drag is not like, tri- like not right. They, they commit to what their drag is, even if people don't like it. And I think that's, that's amazing. Next up, Ninny Nothing. They're my drag, they're my drag crush. I... I'm obsessed with Ninny Nothing from like, and we have like a mutual sort of drag crush on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, I think one, the marketing is genius. Um, we also worked together recently. Um, we did, I know you did last summer as a screen read, as a script reading. Mm-hmm. And I ended up taking up the role of, oh God, what is Jennifer Love Hewitt's character? And she was playing oh, Helen. Okay. Julie, Julie. So I was playing Julie and she was playing um, Helen, Sarah Michelle Geller, And we just had so much fun together. Like she's, she's an actor. Yeah. She like knows how to act and how to just be a character. And she's such an idiot. Such next a up. Idiot. Yeah. Next up is Binks. Binks is probably one of the best seamstresses I know. Also like stunning. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they have such a look 
and they know it. Like, like they're cocky in all the ways that they deserve to be cocky because they really do drag that well. Also, thing about Binks, if you wake up at any random time between the hours of like midnight and 6 a.m., you can guarantee Binks is awake. <laughs> like Binks does not sleep a normal sleep schedule. Binks is only awake during the witching hour, I swear. Like, oh I don't know what happens, but like, <laughs> like, you'll, like you'll, wait, you'll be like, wake up randomly and you'll check your phone like Binks is online posting. Listen, I am, I can be that way as well. I just, my sleep schedule's all kinds of fucked up. So funny. Next up is a name you already mentioned before, but we're going to see if you got more tea on Ramona Mirage. <laughs> oh God, we dated briefly, which was a mistake because we just are not the right personalities for each other. But um, they've always been really good to me and they've always been really supportive of my drag and also one of my harshest critics. Mm -hmm. So like when I was competing, they would literally like be like, no, you're just delusional. You didn't do a good job. Like if I, if I didn't do a good job, I like, they weren't going to sugarcoat it. They're sure. very, very honest. Um, so they're a lot of fun. I really want to paint them. We, we've talked about it a few times, but the one time I was going to, I got too drunk the night before. So it didn't happen. <laughs> Next time. Next up, magenta with a J. Uh, magenta. Magenta. Um, I didn't, I was hired for my first digital drag show from Magenta for her show Full Spin. Mm -hmm. um, we did confessions on the dance floor. And Magenta is just like such a like professional, I guess. Like, I don't know if I, like, there's very few like drag performers I know that are like at that level of like professionalism with what they do. Mm -hmm. Like, they know how to have fun and be kooky and like be funny and stuff like that. But they're just so good at putting together like a package. And like, that's really what they've been able to do since winning the first cycle of Drag Gauntlet. Nice. Next up, Georgia flew. Oh, Georgia. Oh, we got so drunk together that first challenge of um, uh, Boston Drag Gauntlet All-Stars because they were el eliminated mm -hmm. temporarily for that challenge. And um, we were like tequila sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, al I'm always drinking tequila. I have my personal favorite, and, like, I, I sort of, like, she's sort of one of those people where, like, I know I can go up to Georgia and be like, do you want to do a shot together? And they're going to say yes, and I love that. <laughs> like, I love somebody who, like, we can, like, just push each other. Like, uh, Boston Pride, back when I was still the current reigning Miss Gay Worcester at uh, 2018, so it would have been Boston Pride 2019, I think. Um, it was, like, noon. And we were doing tequila shots in this random bar in Boston in full drag. I was so sunburned. As you do. <laughs> Next up is someone who I've been trying to get on the podcast. We just haven't had time to figure it out yet, but Patty Beret. Patty Beret is so funny. Like so they're stupid. So stupid. But they have such a great voice. I don't know if you've ever heard them live. Um they can sing mm -hmm. and they can and they can write parodies so well we were oh, doing yes. this oh yes we were doing married with children for a few weeks at club cafe as like a stage show and patty was playing the uh the daughter she mm -hmm. did a whole number where she live sings while writing in her diary and it's about like how she has her first crush and she's like i haven't felt she's like i thought i only had feelings like this about my dad and it's like it's like it's her, ex and it's her experiencing her first orgasm. It was literally the most disgusting thing I ever heard sung, and I was just killing. 
That's funny. Oh my God. It was so funny. Yeah, I'm excited. We just haven't had the, we couldn't find mutual time to make this happen for a couple months now, but we're going to make it happen. Next up is a, a previous guest of my podcast, Miss Emmy Great. Oh, Emmy. Emmy Great is like, I don't know if I know anyone who like loves drag more than Emmy, like mm-hmm. as an art form. Like Emmy just is like on surface level, you think they're like almost sickly serious. And then you realize it's the opposite. They're not, but they're just, they're just a joy to be around. They booked me um, pretty much every time, except for once that I was in um, New York. I did shows with them and like, they've always been so supportive of my drag and we just like, I don't know. We, we mesh really well together Mm -hmm. as people. And like, I love Emmy. Yeah, I mean, Emmy will be a part of my next elation or holiday show. Oh, yay. Um, at last, um, Emmy said she, she was either going to do um, Celine Dion, uh, War is Over, or she was going to do um, uh, Say Something by Kyle Minogue just because she wanted to do it. And we're like, that's not really holiday, but you go. If you're going to glitter, make it glitter, fine. She told me that, actually. She was like, <laughs> she's like, I wanted you to say something just because. Yeah, we we're like, uh, I mean, I do love that song, but okay. Um, next up, another New York queen or Texas queen right now. I don't even know what the fuck happened there, but Ms. Ritzy Bits. Oh, I like, I always follow them online. And then I was looking for a gig um, around last New Year's mm-hmm. because um, me and my boyfriend, we were going to see the, late, the last Star Wars film together in theaters. And so I was like, well, I have a Sunday. Let's do brunch and I'll try to get a brunch gig. And so like Ritzy ended up um, offering because obviously Bobby used to work in nightlife. So he knows like everyone in the city. And so he's like, hey, you should hire my boyfriend. He's a pretty drag queen. He's funny. So she's like, I don't, she, originally she said, I don't know if we can pay you. Like it depends on really the turnout because again, it's like New Year's. Um, but like I ended up packing the house with, with like, like a gay parade of like gay bows mm-hmm. that have never seen me perform but want to um and it was so much fun working with her like i just thought she was like a pretty like dancing queen just because i didn't know her i'd never seen her and then she's doing like slow motion cartwheels to like <laughs> ariana grande and it's hysterical yep she's also the prettiest like four foot tall person i've ever seen yeah she is like, she's something she is so funny. And also her face during my ring number is one of my favorite things to see out of the corner of my eye. It's just her screaming. <laughs> yeah, because that was when the first time I saw you perform uh, live. Yes. And yeah, it, it was a fun time. I, again, I wasn't prepared for that number. And I was like, because it's holidays and you still had like the Christmas lights out and the trees and you're fucking doing the ring. <laughs> Dude, I didn't know what else to do. I'm like, well, if I'm going to bring some numbers, I'm going to bring like... You bring the moneymaker. Well, I was like, I'm going to bring the two femme fatale numbers for the sake of like, you know, give them something they expect and just come out of left field. Yeah, because you ended with that one. So like any pictures you took was in that look. (laughs) Yeah, every selfie people have with me, it's just like hair in my face and this disgusting like, oh God. I did jello wrestling actually as the ring. And um, 
I never washed the dress. It, I mean, it's not real Jello, so it's not like molded. Right. But like the the fake Jello like melted into the garment oh, and no. dried. It's so gross. That dress is. It had its own bag with the wig, with the corset, <laughs> with the tights. That it's in one separate bag. Like tied That's up. Funny. All right. Next up, we have Candy Dish. Oh, Candy Dish is one of my best friends. Um, they're they're such a good producer of shows, and like we sort of like do this thing where like when we have a stupid idea, we message the other person about it, and if the other person says I fucking hate you, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Like we just that's sort of like the relationship we have. We like we never say good things about each other, yeah. like aside from like stuff like this. But like, we're like, we literally like, if you were to see us together, you'd be like, they hate each other. Cause we're <laughs> so mean to each other. We're just awful. But like, they're like, back before COVID hit, they were, we ate like trash. I was in every single candy dish show. And so I was doing so many shows that I was eating fast food and buffet all the time. It was mm. disgusting. Like I would get like a random text from candy and she's like, I just took an edible. Do you want to get buffet? <laughs> And we would go to this Chinese buffet. Oh my god! And just like we were, we were monsters. We were absolute monsters. That just seems like a terrible, amazing idea. <laughs> it does. Oh my if god! Buffets, I would just eat everything. If buffets are ever a thing post COVID, like, mm. oh come on, Golden Corral, you gotta, gotta, gotta make it. Mm. Nothing is better than that, like cheap buffet sushi. Surprisingly, some of the best sushi I've ever had was at that buffet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have one more. We have to end with Harley Quinn. Oh, I love her. Harley really is, like, one of my absolute best friends. Like, we've just been through so much together. Like, it's sort of like we have have fought. We've gotten into fights. But, like, it's like you can't – I can't physically stay mad at her long Mm -hmm. enough for it to, like, sink in. Like – we started drag together. We like li- we lived together for three years. Um, moving out was one of the hardest things I think I'd had I had to do, but like it was the right choice. Like I'm very happy since the move. But like, yeah, we re- we really like are like that close. Like I get a lot of we get a lot of messages from friends or like people that meet us. They're like, wow, I never knew like I I've never seen a friendship like this, That's and great. I it's kind of special. Yeah. What do you do when you fall into a rabbit hole on YouTube? What are you watching? I have some really weird ones. Um, doll repaint videos specifically by this girl from Belgium, I think. Okay. She's like, she's like, hello, everybody. And welcome back to my doll studio. And like, it's so predictable. And I watch all of them. I watch those. I watch like, there's uh, the ones that it's like the, um, I think it's, Somewhere in Asia. I don't know what, because like the, the titles are never in English, but it's like mm-hmm. these miniature builds where they're like cutting up popsicle sticks, staining them with like like wood stain and making houses and stuff and like making little room dioramas. I watch like lots of that. I watch aquarium builds. Oh, wow. I watch really weird stuff. I don't like go down the rabbit hole of like watching Trixie and Katya. I do watch that stuff. Sure but I don't go down the rabbit hole of that. I go down like this really weird DIY crafting rabbit hole. Have you done any of your own DIY crafting? Um, 
I like to do it. I just don't have the space here and I don't have mm -hmm. all the materials to do it. Sure. But like when I was growing up, um, I lived with my grandmother for a few years and I like learned to like stain and like refurbish antiques and stuff like that. So like, I love stuff, like stuff like that just like brings me so much joy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I it may be the sushi, but if you could eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what is it going to be? It actually wouldn't be sushi. One meal for the rest <laughs> of my life. Um, probably my mom's Thanksgiving leftovers. Like oh, Thanksgiving, love that. It's great the day of, but like there's something special about like mm -hmm. making like a sandwich that you like absolutely like, you're like spreading mashed potatoes on bread you're like this is awful i love that like that for me is the best i mean thanksgiving oh, I, I, I totally agree i mean yeah. for me like i my mom knows when she's getting stuff for thanksgiving she has to get me my white cheddar my sourdough bread and my herbed mayo for my leftover sandwich you need it like for me it's like thanksgiving is the single best holiday you don't have to get anyone anything you just show up and eat yeah like, Oh my god! And if you're gonna get something for someone, you bring a pie, which you, you can then food. eat. I'm like, yeah. this is great. <laughs> I yeah, love it. it. And it's um, gonna be interesting this year. I mean, are, what what are your Thanksgiving plans? Um, I'm probably going to cook a dinner for me and my boyfriend. Um, I'm definitely gonna do a full dinner, but it's going to be like smaller. So I'm probably gonna get like a turkey breast instead sure. of like, the whole turkey. Um, but I'm definitely gonna do like a home style dinner. I'm gonna make my I'm gonna make my mom's mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't do green bean casserole. I was raised on it. I know a lot of people don't like casseroles. It's such a white person food. It's very good. Very good. But I, I do like green bean casserole. So I'll make like a mini one for myself. Like I'll, I'll, I only will eat green bean casserole on Thanksgiving. That's the only time. Yeah. You usually, yeah. It's like holidays. I'll have it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm thinking, I kind of want to make cranberry sauce. Like okay. I do love the jar and like the ridges and everything. There's something like so Americana about that, but like, I kind of want to try making it like, I have all the time in the world now, so might as well right. cook. Maybe I'll cook the dinner naked, film it, and put it on OnlyFans. There you go. I am sure there are definitely people who would watch. Mm -hmm. We are going to move into the pop five rapid fire. I'm going to give you five pop culture things, and you are going to give me a word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about for each. Okay. Number one, Kylie Minogue's disco. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's... The first, the, my first listen, I was like, ah, they're all the same song. And I was like, when you take it and you go individually, you're like, okay, I'm jamming out. This is, oh my God. Album. It's my favorite album of 2020, even more mm. than Chromatica. Wow. Like, I, those are fighting words. They are more, more than confetti. I actually haven't really, I haven't listened to the whole confetti yet. I'm not, I, okay, I, I like their music, but it's, it's not like my go-to. That's fair. I'm that's not, fair. But yeah, Kylie Minogue's Disco is my favorite album of 2020. You can cancel me now Fine. nice number two is ps5 eh. not getting it i have a pc like i'm a pc gamer i i use the god console uh-huh <laughs> like um if i can't have 45 mods on my video game i don't want to play it like if i can't completely wreck my computer or my save <laughs> file by having too many like skyrim mods installed like then what's the point <laughs> there you go. Number three is dinner with the Demelios controversy, and and Charlie reaches one hundred million followers on TikTok. I don't know what that is. 
I mean, I know TikTok, but I don't know what this um, is. So the, 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 the Amelios are these two TikTok girls who now have like a YouTube series and apparently they were very rude and mean to their chef. Oh. And now one of the girls, be. yeah, one of the girls lost 50 million followers then regained 50 and now she's up, up to 100 million followers on TikTok as the first teen. Oh my that. God. Yeah. All I have to say is never be mean to the person making you food. I know. Like that's maybe like eating the shit one. pie. I was like, oh my god! Like if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, I'm gonna fucking spit in your food. Like, yeah, mm no, you don't do that. You don't Number disrespect th- food like that. I agree. I agree. Number four is the Mandalorian season two. I'm really enjoying it. It's the one thing. I mean, like I'm. I watch a lot of shows, anyways. But first word is just Baby Yoda. <laughs> when when are you gonna do a Baby Yoda look? Oh God, I already do Dobby, so I might as well just paint it green. Yeah, there um, you go. I don't know yet. I kind of want to do it where like there's no lips, where it's like, you know, p- people that did the makeup trend where like they painted their lips on their nose and yeah. like they pushed. I kind of want to do that. I, but somebody already did it as Baby Yoda. So I'm just like. Yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying Mandalorian season two. I know we've gotten a couple um, big reveals for not just the series, but you know, Star Wars in general. Someone yes. may not be actually dead after 35 mm. years. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really interesting. This last episode was pretty good. Um, um, I didn't know that they have um, those beautiful, yummy French cookies as in, in space. Macaroons or whatever. Yeah, I was like, why is Baby Yoda eating a macaroon and why do I want one now? <laughs> oh, no, um, my favorite episode of this season is the one with the, the, sand, the sand people. Mm-hmm. Love that episode. I just yeah, love that they really developed their culture. They weren't yeah. just these like savage people. They were actually like... They had a, a reason. That, yeah, they have, a, they have a rhyme and reason for what they do. And I, I was always fascinated by them anyways. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a really cool series. Um, I hope Disney continues giving us Mando and I hope if they're going to do any more spinoffs or series like this treat it well yes treat it well because like lord knows Disney has a habit of milking everything for what uh-huh. it's worth and, and then destroying um, mm-hmm. Star Wars I mean hopefully it'll be the eventual destruction of Marvel where D- so DC can finally make something good because the last good live action DC film canon DC film I don't remember because Birds of Prey is canon, but it's it is more sure, of a sure. like offshoot. It's not like, but like none of their major films have landed recently, and I'm not a Marvel fan, so. Oh, I'm a big Marvel fan, so I'm so glad my love for Disney, my love for Marvel, they have come together. They're going to give us many great things for the years to come. <laughs> and number five, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. There, love, love. I haven't watched love, it yet. Love, I think I'm going to watch it tonight. I haven't watched it. I just like, I know I need to, but I feel, yeah. I want to wait. I want to wait till it's more Christmas. I have to wait till after Thanksgiving before I give Christmas a fair shot. That's fair. Um, but Dolly Parton can do nothing wrong. Like she I, does nothing wrong. She gives money to the people who need money. Yes. I have like a list of people that I say, um, these are the straights that are allowed to say the F word. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolly Parton is one of them. She never will say it. But like in my head, I'm like, if Dolly Parton ever like looked at me and called me the F word, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. Like you, you can get a pass, Dolly. Like you can do anything you want. <laughs> yeah. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. And this is a question from Chola Spears. Mm-hmm. What's the meanest thing you've done to a stranger? 
A stranger. Mm -hmm. Ooh, oh, that's a really good question. Meanest thing I've done to a stranger. I don't even know what, what I what reminds you. I don't know because I mean I I was a barista for a while, so I'm sure I've done something petty <laughs> to like some random woman who came in and was treating me badly. Spelled her name wrong. No, it would have been a little bit more rude. I definitely would have, like, because I've, I've snapped back at people a few times. Like, if people, like, really treat me badly. But I never made anyone cry. So, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, the meanest thing I would put, like, a stranger. That's... Mm -hmm. Or someone who's not, like, necessarily a friend. Mm. I don't know. I feel like I don't hold on to those memories. <laughs> That's fair. That's okay. You're just a sweetheart. No, I'm not. But like, I really like, I feel like I'm not mean unless like one, you really, really deserve it. But I also have a long fuse. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not mean unless you really deserve it. And even then, like, I feel like I'm more apt to be meaner to somebody that I do know that I think that I think like can handle it. That's fair. Well, you get to ask my next guest a question and it can be about literally anything you want. Oh boy. Um, hmm. Let me think. Might have to edit this down or add some like Jeopardy <laughs> music. Um, hmm. now, this is my favorite part because the questions are always so out there or they're so specific. Yeah. It's too specific or and out there. Um, if you had to pick a celebrity, dead or alive, to take a very strong edible with and film the encounter, who would it be? Oh, I love that. That's fun. That's fun. I, I, this I, yeah. I love you, getting lost in yours? the sauce. Do you know who yours would be? Oh, um, Oscar Wilde. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh god. Oh, the things that would be created. Um, I would love. Oh my gosh, just us. I, oh, so great, especially in the modern world. Like mm -hmm. me putting on like something like Moving Planet or something. Like oh. Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. I, I, I my one of my rituals I do is I take an edible and I put on Planet Earth. <laughs> oh god, I would just get lost. I would just stare. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> well. In hopes of expanding the community, I am now asking my guests, who do you want to hear on Block Talk? Um, Nikki Luparelli. She is one of the, uh, obviously she's my drag mom, but she is just so funny. Mm -hmm. Like she, and she can, she can talk about anything. She's also, her resting like blood alcohol level is like a 0.07. She's always smoking. Weed. Okay. Okay. So, like, she's always in the right mindset to be, like, kooky, weird, and funny, so. And she has a huge, like, you can, like, she's done just so many awesome shows and stuff, so you'll have a lot of fun looking her up. She, I think she has, I think she has a wiki page, too. Oh, we love that. We love a wiki page. <laughs> well, where can everyone find you on social media and Venmo? I, like, swallowed the wrong way. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> Um, so you can good segue. find me. Good segue. So you can find me on Facebook at Henry Butler because 
Facebook hates the fact that I have a drag name or my poison envy, P-O-I-S-E apostrophe N-E-N-V-Y. I have a Facebook page. <laughs> Not COVID. Um, you can find me on Instagram at pickyourpoise, P-I-C-K-Y-O-U-R-P-O-I-S-E. I also have a Twitter with the same name, but I don't really use my drag Twitter as much. Um, but you can find me on my NSFW Twitter at yeehawtwink, the number one. Um, that's also my username on OnlyFans. If you would like to subscribe, it's only $4.99 or 13 something for three months. That's a deal. It's, it's a fucking deal. And then you can Venmo me at poise-envy-one. That's my There you go. Well, it was so much fun chatting with you. Thanks for coming on. I, it was a blast. I haven't gotten to like just chat about stuff with people for a while. Usually it's like random Facebook banner. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thanks to Poison Envy for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.